Lift High the Cross, number 885. Please stand and join in singing. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. Lord Jesus, you are mighty God and Prince of Peace. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord Jesus, you are the Son of God and Son of Mary. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord Jesus, you are word made flesh and splendor of the Father. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Let us pray. Enlighten, O God of compassion, the hearts of your children, sanctified by penance, and in your kindness, Grant those you stir to a sense of devotion, a gracious hearing when they cry out to you. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. A reading from the book of the prophet Daniel. King Nebuchadnezzar said, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you will not serve my God or worship the golden statue that I set up? Be ready now to fall down and worship the statue I had made. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, flute, lyre, harp, psaltery, bagpipe, and all the other musical instruments. Otherwise, you shall be instantly cast into the white-hot 
furnace. And who is the God who can deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered King Nebuchadnezzar. There is no need for us to defend ourselves before you in this manner. If our God, whom we serve, can save us from the white-hot furnace and from your hands, O king, may he save us. But even if he will not, know, O king, that we will not serve your God or worship the golden statue that you set up. King Nebuchadnezzar's face became livid with utter rage against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace to be heated seven times more than usual and had some of the strongest men in his army bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the white-hot furnace. Nebuchadnezzar rose in haste and asked his nobles, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? Or surely, O king, they answered. But, he replied, I see four men unfettered and unhurt, walking in the fire, and the fourth looks like a son of God. Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel to deliver the servants who trusted in him. They disobeyed the royal command and yielded their bodies rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. The word of the Lord.
Blessed are you on the throne of your kingdom. Praiseworthy and exalted above all into the depths from your throne upon the cherubim, praiseworthy and exalted above all forever. be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you remain in my word, you will truly be my disciples. And if you will know, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are descendants of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Amen, amen, I say to you, everyone who commits a sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not remain in a household forever, but a son always remains. So if the son frees you, then you will truly be free. I know that you are descendants of Abraham, But you are trying to kill me because my word has no room among you. I tell you, what I have seen in the Father's presence, then do what you have heard from the Father. They answered and said to him, Our father is Abraham. Jesus said to him, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works of Abraham. But now you are trying to kill me a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You are doing the works of your father. So they said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I did not come on my own but he sent me. 
the gospel of the Lord. As we've been speaking of for the last two nights, the main task for the church during the apostolic age is the presentation of the gospel in such a way that our mind is transformed, that the apostolic age helps to convert the way that one looks at the world in a different way. In a time of Christendom, it seems that conversion is primarily reduced to a moral way of living. Someone will say, I keep the commandments, I do what is known to be right. But then we begin to hear a complaint, and if you listen carefully to society, we hear this complaint quite often. I know atheists who are more Christian than a lot of people who go to church. In a transition out of Christendom culture like ours, it can appear that Christianity is just a way to live. It's a set of rules to follow. However, our faith is not just a way to live. It's an entirely new way of seeing and understanding the world around us. It's a conversion of the mind. And in fact, it's a conversion of the imagination. In a Christendom time, preaching tends to be focused on moral living. How should we live? Because everyone shares the same Christian worldview. And so moral preaching helps to purify the faith, and it's easily understood. But in an apostolic time, those who preach the gospel assume that everyone who's listening are unconverted in their imagination, that they have embraced something of the non-Christian culture around them. And so apostolic preaching desires to convert those who listen to an entirely different way of seeing to see the world around them through the eyes of faith. And so the church cannot simply preach moral living before this Christian vision has taken root and transforms us from the inside out. Because what happens? What begins to happen is exactly what's happening now. There is an outright rejection of morality in the Catholic Church because many have lost the vision and the thinking that undergirds that living. If they, don't, if they do accept the moral teachings of the church, it's just because a specific moral teaching happens to line up with the culture. Right? Jesus says, love the poor. Even society says we should care for the poor for the most part. Those teachings are easy. And so we must convert the mind and intellect to a new way of thinking, a new way of seeing. And what we've talked about during this mission is that this requires a change in our narrative, the way that we think and see. To hold something not visible in the forefront of our mind. And so as Catholics, this is the great benefit that we have. The sacraments, especially confession and the Eucharist, but all seven sacraments, make visible to our senses the invisible life of God. And so it's a question for us as we head into the apostolic age. 
How do we help people deepen belief in the Lord's presence of the sacraments? And especially, how do we deepen the understanding of the Lord's presence here in the Eucharist? We need to help the intellect and the mind to imagine and sense the invisible realities. And so the church does beautiful things. We increase opportunities for adoration. We have more Eucharistic processions. We use incense and candles. These things help us to grasp who is present. But you may say, well, Father, that's all your job, right? This is why we come to church. We experience the sacraments here. But how do I do this at home with my own family in my own individual life? And so what I'd like to do is to share with you a number of things that you can be doing at home individually or with your families to help change and increase this vision in your own life. So I think one of the first things we need to do is to recapture Sunday, to recapture the real meaning of Sunday. It's a day of rest and a time for the Lord. This is, I think, one of the great reasons that we've lost a Christian vision. The centrality of the Sabbath in Judaism is hard to overstate, right? It's enormous. And for Christians, Sunday has replaced Saturday as the most important day because of the resurrection of the Lord. And so Sunday becomes a day of rest, a day of focusing on God. To recapture Sunday in your own family. Go to Mass as a family, not just when it's convenient for each member. And in a particular way, one of the things that can happen with that is you put a little emphasis, put on your Sunday best clothes. This is instructive, not just for you, but it's also instructive for all of those who see you, that this is more important than the other things I've done during this week. And I think it's a question we should ask ourselves. Why do some wear nicer clothes to work or to a date than they do for the presence of the Lord here in the Eucharist? Another thing we can do, which is not very popular in our culture today, read a book out loud. Once a week or so, take a moment and read a story from the Bible or to read a section from the lives of the saints as a family and then talk about it, discuss it. It's a very effective way, especially if you have young children in the home too, to learn together. How do we highlight the liturgical seasons? That one of the beautiful things the church gives us is all these seasons we go through throughout the year. And there are many ways you can highlight the liturgical year at home because the highlighting of the liturgical year helps to keep the invisible right in front of our imagination. For example, my sister uh, during Advent buys this little kit. She buys it for like $5 with a little beeswax, um, a little set of beeswax inside. And she makes Advent candles with my nieces and nephews. And then every night, uh, after they eat dinner, they light the Advent candle, uh, the Advent wreath, and they say a little prayer. Some families in my, in my parish, uh, it's kind of just happened, uh, but it's kind of begun to grow as I pointed out to people. Uh, some families like to wear the liturgical color to Mass on Sunday. 
Uh, so, for example, we just had um, Gaudete, uh, Laudate Sunday a few, uh, two weeks ago. And so, on Laudate Sunday, a lot of people wear rose. They wore pink to church. But how else can we do that? Bishop Provo instituted something in the Diocese of Lake Charles. He reinstituted something, which was never really taken away, uh, but he is trying to encourage this in the life of families in the diocese. He reinstituted the Ember Days. Do you remember the Ember Days? No. Some of you do, some of you say no. The Ember Days are a set of three days of light fasting at the change of the season, right? The actual weather season. These are days where we look backwards and we say, God, thank you for the blessings of winter as we ask for your blessing in the upcoming spring, right? And then to do the same thing from spring into summer, summer into fall, fall into winter, right? And so the bishop asked us to reinstitute ember days in the diocese. Uh, this has been a really great blessing in my parish, which is very agricultural. But something like the ember days, why? Because it spiritualizes the year. I have another friend uh, who every year uh, in Lent buys the parish's paschal candle. So he has a deal with his pastor where he tells the pastor, he says, I'll buy the Paschal candle that you're going to bless at Easter. And I just ask if I can take the old one home. So then he takes the old Paschal candle home, he melts it down, and he makes candles that they put on the dinner table. And that way when they eat, they light the candle which was made from the Paschal candle to remind them that Christ is the light of their family. Right? A beautiful little tradition that he came up with. What's another thing you can do? Celebrate important anniversaries, like the day you were baptized. Do you know your baptism date? Go look it up, right? Call your parish, ask for a copy of your baptism certificate. If we celebrate the day of our physical birth, why don't we celebrate the day of our birth into eternal life, right? That there, there could be a way for families to celebrate the day of your baptism, we, we do it very well with birthdays. Why don't we do it with baptisms? Celebrate feast days and solemnities. We can celebrate major feasts and solemnities of the church, especially for major saints like uh, St. Joseph or Our Lady, that there are ways to celebrate even... Uh, when I was in Rome, one of the things I love, the Italians have a name for it. We, on your day of the year, they would say, Buon Onomastico, Happy Name Day. Right? The day of your patron saint. Uh, so, St. Paul the Apostle is my patron saint. And so, on the Feast of St. Paul, it's nice to celebrate that in some way. Uh, even the other little quirky things that we have in Catholicism, which are fun and beautiful. Put out your shoes for St. Nicholas Day, right? And give the kids an orange and some chocolate or a little money like St. Nicholas used to do. Uh, if you really want to see the quirkiness of Catholicism after we finish, look up what the Italians do for St. Agatha and St. Lucy. What do they make? They make some little treats directly tied to the martyrdom of St. Agatha and St. Lucy. It's a way they keep the feast days alive. Practice abstinence from meat every Friday of the year, right? Most people don't know that canon law, the canon law in effect, 
today still requires this, that we fast from meat every Friday of the year, not just in Lent. What happened is that they added a clause. If you do another act of charity, you can substitute another act of charity in place of abstaining from meat. But what we've discovered is that if you give people an option, what happens? Oh, well, I'm just not going to do it, or it just kind of fell by the wayside. So just go back to the practice of abstaining from meat every Friday. When's the last time you said a prayer to your guardian angel? Actually, when's the last time you thought about your guardian angel? This is not something we think about very often. But it's one of the first prayers that I learned as a kid, right? We would say it on the way to school every morning. How often do you say a prayer to your guardian angel, even especially in times of temptation or trial or struggle, right? That Jesus, we know guardian angels exist because Jesus told us, right? This is one of the teachings of our Lord. So use them, pray to them. They're here to help. We also think about the invisible souls in purgatory. Utilize prayers in your life. Pray in your family for the holy souls. Learn the prayers of St. Gertrude or St. Bridget that were directed to the souls, uh, to God for helping the souls in purgatory. A great practice. Sign up for a holy hour on your way out of church, right? St. Peter has a number of hours that we're in need of dedicated adorers for. Or make a spontaneous visit to the church or the adoration chapel. It's a way to spiritualize the day or the week to stop in and to say a little prayer. One of the great things we can do to make the spiritual visible at home, do you have a shrine? Do you have a holy place in your house? Um, In fact, we have at my mom and dad's house when I was growing up, we have my great-grandmother's television. It was an old console TV. You know what I'm talking about? A console TV tube TV, and you open up the top, and there's a record player and all the speakers. All right, great. So it doesn't really function anymore, so my mom covered it with a white cloth, and then we put a bunch of icons and holy pictures and statues and a few uh, relics that have been passed down in the family. And there's always one thing that always caught, caught my eye every time I walk in the house. In fact, this, this, her little shrine is right next to the back door. She always burns a seven-day candle. You know the glass candles? Uh, Father Brew, if you want to do a little almsgiving uh, in your parish, sell candles. We've done this in a number of my parishes, and we just started doing it at St. Pius. We can't keep them uh, because they're so popular. Burn a candle at home. You can do the seven-day or 14-day glass candles. Keep one burning as a sign of the family's prayer and devotion to the Lord. Uh, One of the other things my mom did, she bought a holy water font, a little tiny one. She put it next to the back door. So that whenever we walked out to go to school, made the sign of the cross on our way to school or work. And then whenever we come back in, dip your finger in holy water when you get home, right? We do it in church. Why not sanctify the day, right? Remind you of your baptism. Ask your guardian angel and the saints to accompany you on the way to work or school. Go to confession as a family, right? Uh, I have powerful memories of this, and I see this is a beautiful practice, certainly in the life as a priest, to have the entire family go together. Um, Just dad goes first, and mom, and the kids, one after the other, right? On a schedule. 
because it helps us to remember and to contact the mercy of God. Do you eat together with your family and say the blessing before meals? I have been actually a little bit surprised as a priest and I go around and eat with a ton of families uh, throughout the years, how many times I've been to somebody's house to go over for dinner and nobody eats at the same time. It's been kind of strange. I'll stand around in the kitchen and say, are we actually going to like sit down or are we going to say the prayer? But in some families, it's a tradition that's actually been lost. Wait till everybody sits at the table and say the blessing before meal. It sounds obvious to many, but maybe it's not. We can recapture that. Do you set a time to pray as a family? Um, this doesn't have to be super complicated. I belong to a movement uh, out of Poland called the Domestic Church, which is growing in the Archdiocese in New Orleans. And one of my domestic church families in my circle created a little practice that they made up. They set their alarm on their phone or their watch or whatever to go off at 9 p.m. sharp. And at 9 p.m., no matter what they're doing, no matter where they are or what they're doing, they stop and they say a Hail Mary. Right? No matter what they're doing, 9 p.m., alarm goes off, they say a Hail Mary. And then what's beautiful is they were doing this, and then all the kids moved away. The kids got married, and they all moved out of the house. Well, now their kids do it with their spouses. One of them is in Italy, uh, and so he's serving in the Air Force. And so when the alarm goes off, all of their kids, no matter where they are, no matter what they're doing. The other day, we were having our little domestic church circle. We had finished up, and we were eating cookies before Lent. We were having a conversation. I had a mouthful of cookies, and the alarm went off. Hail Mary, full of great, like we just stopped in the middle of our conversation. We said a Hail Mary, and we kept going. A beautiful little thing. I also know families who, for family prayer, share intentions. At the end of the day, they just go around in a circle. What's one thing I'm grateful to God for, and who is one person I could pray for? Right? A prayer of gratitude, a prayer of intercession. And everybody goes around. And it's been beautiful as a priest to participate that, in that with families. Because then what they'll do is they'll often text the person that they prayed for. And so it's really funny that every once in a while I get texts from families, even in my parish, Father, we prayed for your car tonight. You know, we prayed for whatever, how we prayed that you had a good duck hunt last weekend. And it's funny because the four-year-olds remember that I told them that, and they bring it up during prayer. But a beautiful thing to do. Um, many families can set a time to do a family rosary. And this is something my own siblings actually reintroduced into my family um, about six months ago. They just, we did this growing up, um, but after all my sisters got married and moved away, we reinstituted the practice of a Friday night rosary at my grandmother's house. So every Friday night, 6 p.m., somebody is going to my grandmother's house to say a rosary. All my aunts and uncles are invited, all my cousins are invited, all my nieces and nephews are invited, and if you can't make it, they do it on FaceTime, right? They'll sit in my grandmother's house at her little shrine, that she has in her living room. They pray a little rosary, then they have pizza. A simple little thing. But you know what I treasure about it now? My siblings get together once a week, right? And it's a great way, 20 minutes, say a rosary, have some pizza, see my whole family. For the season of Lent, some families do common prayer or fasting or almsgiving, right? 
Do you discuss and encourage tithing? Can you come up with a way to support a particular mission? Talk about heaven and the afterlife often. Visit cemeteries on the anniversary of the death of loved ones or their birthdays, and especially on All Souls Day. When's the last time you stopped in at a cemetery to pray for somebody you love? Is there a crucifix in every room of your home? Right? This was an ancient practice in the church. Make sure there's a crucifix hanging above the door of every room of your home. Or on the Epiphany, our lovely quirky Catholic tradition, to write the names of the three wise men and the year above the entrance of the door. Do you make use of sacramentals like medals and crosses, right? And one of the things I uh, particularly remember my mom doing, which was very inspirational for me, obviously, we prayed for our vocation every day on the way to school. God, show me how you are asking me to serve. It was a beautiful thing to do. So we prayed for our vocation daily. But it was also beautiful to listen to my parents pray for for their vocation while they were married. God, help me to live our sacrament of marriage, which is inspirational to me. You're never finished praying about your vocation. It's not just something you're trying to decide, and then you enter it, and you're done. Lord, help me to live my sacrament today. These are all a few things that we can do to make the invisible visible in family life. So what's the point? The great apostolic task right now is to convert our mind to see that the invisible is far more powerful than the visible. And when this sacramental worldview captivates us, the power of the Catholic vision is incredible. For example, I know a bishop who was concerned about a number of sins that had occurred in his diocese. So the bishop ordered all of the priests in his diocese to simultaneously hold a private, secret, holy hour of reparation against sins to the sacred heart in the middle of the night. No one was allowed to go with the priest into his church, just the priest and the Lord and the Eucharist in the monstrance. And while all the priests of the diocese were doing this, the bishop was at the cathedral praying a prayer of exorcism over the entire diocese. This makes zero sense in a practical world, right? It makes zero sense. But if we inhabit a spiritual realm, this is one of the most important things a bishop and his priests could do, to pray for the healing of the diocese and the holiness of the people. And I wonder, how many bishops would do that? How many priests would listen to the bishop's request to get up in the middle of the night and go do a holy hour? More importantly, I'd love to know the fruits of this secret mission. It's like spec ops for the priest to go into the church and pray in the middle of the night and sneak out before anybody knows. I'd certainly encourage more priests and bishops to do the same. What's the point, my friends? At the heart of the gospel message, The invisible world is more real, more lasting, more beautiful than anything we see. That we're caught in the battle between good and evil, and we must take a side. We are made to know good things, happiness, strength, 
love, and eternal life that we are called to share in the very nature of God to become divinized in the kingdom of heaven, that you and I are called to become creatures of dazzling light and strength, beauty and goodness, sharing in and reflecting the power of God. We're called to recognize that our true home and worth is in heaven, not here. We have to proclaim that our life on earth is of little importance compared to the life to come. We're not impressed by money, fame, power, and pleasure. We seek to live a life in Christ, a life characterized by the love of God and of others as a member of a new humanity, that no matter how troubled we are by suffering or external failure, success is a crown of blessedness and beauty in the life of heaven forever. We believe that the most important moment of human history is when God became man. He came not just to teach, but to redeem and inaugurate a kingdom. He came to take away our blindness to the power of the invisible, to teach us the truth that we are doing battle against the power of darkness and sin and Satan to bring life of holiness. We don't just see some things differently. We see everything differently. To live an apostolic Christian life is not to just give assent to the teachings of Jesus in a way to live. It's an adventure and a way to see, to see the world around us. We need to find ways to challenge ourselves and to challenge our families and our parishes to truly think spiritually. Our world is longing for a deeper meaning, and so it's past time that we live up to our founder's mission, that we are disciples of Jesus Christ, called to walk the straight and narrow to arrive in the kingdom of heaven. My friends, it's been a great joy to be with you these days at St. Peter Parish. I ask you to pray for me and my parishioners at St. Pius X in Ragley, and I thank you for the support that you've rendered our parish. Please know of my prayers for you and your families as well. Remember, our task is not to make members of the Catholic Church. It's to form disciples who see the world with the eyes of faith. Dive into the richness of our Catholic faith. Use the visible to make real the invisible. Be bold in proclaiming Jesus even when it's hard. Believe in the power of prayer and the sacraments and allow the invisible transcendent God with all of your heart and allow the love of God to push you to share that love with others. Amen. Knowing that God indeed hears and answers our prayers, we turn to him as we pray. For church leaders, may the fruit of the Spirit be abundant in their ministries. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord hear our prayer. For world leaders, may the peace of Christ permeate their hearts in all they do. Let us pray to the Lord. For those shackled by fear and injustice, may the love and promise of Christ set them free. Let us pray to the Lord. For this faith community, may God help us remain in his word and truly be his disciples. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the faithful departed, may God's 
love and mercy surround them and bring them to his everlasting kingdom. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For Father Jeff and the people of God of St. Pius X Parish in Ragley, Louisiana, that they may be strengthened in their efforts to rebuild their parish. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for those prayers we hold in the silence of our hearts. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Divine and Heavenly Father, we bring before you many prayers. Some we've spoken, more we hold in the silence of our hearts. We ask that you hear them. Grant them as they are in accord with your will, for we make them through Jesus Christ, who is Lord forever and ever. Amen. Please join in singing in your red hymnal, number 957, Grant to us, O Lord, number 957.
Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Receive back, O Lord, these sacrificial offerings, which you have given to be offered to the honor of your name, and grant that they may become remedies for our healing through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For through the saving passion of your Son, the whole world has received a heart to confess the infinite power of your majesty. Since by the wondrous power of the cross, your judgment on the world is now revealed and the authority of Christ crucified. And so, Lord, with all the angels and saints, we too give you thanks as an exaltation we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncelli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. 
Therefore, Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Gregory, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. Graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. 
Let us pray. May the mysteries we have received, O Lord, bring us heavenly medicine, that they may purge all evil from our heart and strengthen us with eternal protection through Christ our Lord. Immediately following Mass, remember if you participated in a, what was a substantial portion of the mission, or a significant portion of the mission, uh, we will give the uh, solemn blessing. And then immediately following um, the St. Michael prayer, we'll do uh, three prayer, the traditional prayers for the intentions of the Holy Father. Uh, and then if you have received the sacrament of confession and uh, the reception of the Holy Eucharist in a reasonable period of time and are completely detached from sin... Uh, the church grants a plenary indulgence for the attendance at the mission. No, it's been a great joy to be with you, and I thank you for your prayers, as together we ask the Lord to be with us throughout the coming Holy Week. The Lord be with you. And with you. Bow down for God's blessing. Attend, Almighty God, to the prayers of your people, and as you endow them with confident hope in your compassion, let them feel as ever the effects of your mercy through Christ our Lord. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit come down on you and remain with you forever. Amen. Go in peace. Yes, go in peace. Oh. Go in peace. Glorify the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God. St. Michael, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We'll do an Our Father, Hail Mary, and glory be for the Pope. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Please join in singing Christ Be Our Light in your red hymnal, number 584. Number 584. Mm -hmm. 